Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. We are your hosts of the show, Karen and Kelly Sarlow. Whether you're struggling with grief or you just need answers, we connect you with spirit to find relief, clarity, and direction in life. We can help you move forward. Good morning. Good morning. I need the name of a gentleman today. I will choose Peter. Okay. So before the session even starts... His session and information comes through for me earlier in the day when I get up and I see a dog as soon as I open my eyes in my bed, just laying in my room, and I look over and there's this absolutely gorgeous collie dog. And, you know, just with intuitiveness, I know it's a female because there's no other way for me to know sex of a dog. And then she just disappears, but she's got a beautiful energy that she leaves in the room for me. And then later that morning, I decide that I'm going to run out to the grocery store to pick something up and I go out to the car. And as I'm approaching the car, I think there's a dog sitting in my car. How can there be a dog in my car? Like for real? And I get closer to the to the front seat and I see, oh, this is a spirit dog. Nobody's actually put a dog in my car. And it's the same female dog that I saw when I woke up and she looks over at me. You know what those shifty eyes that yeah, dogs give that you? Parker has. <laughs> she gives me that kind of a look and then looks straight out through the front window and disappears. Then again, later that day, as I'm a coming downstairs into the office for Peter's session, I opened the door. I had had it closed because um, the fireplace was on heating the room. And I open it, and along with this beautiful warmth and heat that greets me is this dog again at the door. And I think, okay, are you for the first client of the day? And then before I can get any answer or have any inner knowing, she just disappears again. But again, there's this feeling of love and warmth and coziness and safety. And like, I just feel fantastic. And I think I want this dog. I have to have this dog. <laughs> and she just disappears. So then I sit down at the computer. I put out my water. I get onto Zoom. And Peter comes on and we can see each other. And all of a sudden, when I look up, again, to the computer, I see this dog sitting beside him. And I think, okay, good. You are with this client. And I see a whole bunch of other animals come in the room. Like, honestly, you should have called him Noah. As in like um, spirit animals or in the room physically? Thank you, spirit animals. Thank you for clarifying. And I thought, well, this is going to be an interesting session maybe. And I burst, like I had a big, big smile on my face because I'm thinking, I, I really hope I get to figure out who all of these animals are and why he has so many animals near him. And there's a variety of animals as well. And he, Peter says to me, Karen, I know you're going to go through consent and I'm going to say yes to everything, but you go through it anyway, because I've heard that you won't let me rush you through it, and I don't want to rush you. But I'm super excited to hear why, as soon as you saw me and the camera turned on, that you didn't even look at me. 
<laughs> he said, you looked all around me and you burst out with this big smile on your face. And he says, so I know that you see things and that you are currently seeing things. And that really wasn't how I was going to start my session. But I really need to know what it is that you're seeing. I'm super curious about what you do. And I want to go there first. So go ahead with consent. So I did, I got through the consent process, and I'll say as quickly as I possibly could. And then I started by telling him about this female collie dog that showed up first thing in the morning right beside my bed. And he goes, oh my God, that's my dog. And he goes, and you said, is she? And I said, yes. He goes, that helps me because I've had more than one collie dog. Mm -hmm. And so she's identifying herself because those are the, that's a dog that I had frequently in my life, right from childhood. But my parents always had male dogs, and then I wanted a female dog. And he said, so this is really significant to me. And I said, well, hold up. I said, there's there's more information that's coming from her. And I said, I'd like to give it to you. I said, it's quite beautiful. I said, she's showing me and telling me and helping me feel how much respect you two had for each other and how you went through life learning about respect for each other. Like, I'm, like I would say it this way, Kelly. Like other people might expect to learn those lessons with human beings. But he was so open to learning lessons at all with animals, nature, weather, human beings, anything, himself, self-development, all of it, that he didn't want to miss out on an opportunity to learn. And he goes, that is absolutely true. And I said, you saw this dog in particular um, as a partner in so many ways because you knew that she was going to teach you lessons. He goes, God, Karen, I figured that out as soon as she was a puppy. I just remembered one day sitting there and going, these are going to be teachable moments. I've got to pay attention. This dog is here to teach me things. Then she shows me how um, he would cook supper and... She, she would just be around in the kitchen or, you know, she'd sit in the living room by the fire and stuff like that. She'd be around him. And then when he was plating his food, she would go to her bowl and she would sit in front of her bowl and he would plate all of his food. Then he would take a scoop of her food, uh, which was also located in the kitchen. He'd put it in her bowl. He'd put his plate down on the table. She would not touch her food. She would just sit there and look at him and watch him. So if he got up to go get a glass of water, she would wait. And then he would sit down and then he would say, okay, let's eat. And then she would eat her food. And then he would pick up his fork and knife and they would start to eat. So whether he was single, whether he had his kids at home, whether he was married, it didn't, if he had company, this was their routine. And it did not change company or just the two of them. And he loved that story because it was so true. And it just said so much about how they waited for each other and that they, this is how she worded it, that they chose to wait for each other out of love and respect. Not because she was trained to or because you have to, mm -hmm. but because you want to wait for your partner. And I remember giving him that message and thinking, that's, that's beautiful. I love that. I love the idea that you wait for your partner, you wait for your children or your parents or your company for everybody to sit down. And I thought, I need to pay more attention to that. I just loved the, hearing about it for what it did for me too. 
Um, then he says to me, okay, do you have anything else about animals? Like, are you done with her? <laughs> Just as he says that, I see a pile of dogs come in the room. Just a pile of them, Kelly. And they're all the same. They're all, I think they're called huskies. And I look around, like, on the, on the Zoom screen, because they fill up the room, and then I'm transported. Like, I'm not even in the room anymore. And I see him outside, and I see him with a sled, and all of these dogs get into formation, and I see him standing on the back of his sled and going sledding. And I thought, oh, my God. Okay, I, I understand the purpose of all these dogs. It wasn't that he had one after another in life from childhood, but that he actually had a whole team of them all at the same time as he had the collie dog as well. So the collie dog was his partner, so to speak, or house dog, let's say. And these other dogs were sled dogs. And then I see medals. I see competitions. I see him traveling to do these things. I see where the dogs sometimes travel to get to a competition. So I think, where the heck does this guy live? And they show me where he lives. Nowhere near me. But he, he lives where, um, where multiple people have teams of dogs. And not just locally, but I'll call it in his state or his province. And he gets to go to these competitions by traveling there. But sometimes he has to put the dogs into vehicles to get them there. So he also shows me how he transports them as well in his truck. And he shows that he's won competitions. And then he shows me how at some of these competitions, you're doing them like over a period of days because he shows me like sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset. And I get to see where he's camping and where the dogs are outside overnight. And he's like in his tent. Mm -hmm. That was so cool for me because I've never done that. And, I've, I, and I also liked how the spirit guides showed me time lapsing. Mm -hmm. And much like, you know, people might sit here and go, oh, I get it. I understand what Karen's seeing because they do that in a movie so that we understand the passage of time in a movie by showing sunset, sunrise, that kind of thing, right? So anyway, so I, I told him all of this, and he goes, this is fabulous. He goes, I'm, I'm just delighted. And so I said, well, give me a moment. I want to see if there's any messages from the dogs. And the messages that come through is that he really respected the pack, he really respected that there are lead dogs for reasons and that he really honored all of that within the dogs and that he, I, how would you say that? Like even the way that he fed the lead dog first and then all of the other dogs would be commanded that they could all eat mm -hmm. so that they all understood the lead dog eats first. And then, you know, a few seconds later, but he showed how there were systems, that there were routines that were done, that were respectful and mindful, and that they were done out of um, uh, the good of all. And that he, he really, he watched this in life, and then he tried to pay attention to that 
in terms of, okay, now I'm going to, you know, something with human beings. And now I'm going to notice that when I go for dinner, and everybody's in the kitchen, or they're, you know, someone's in the kitchen cooking, and everybody else is in the living room, and they start eating, but the cook is still in the kitchen, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to go into the kitchen and say, what can I help you with? Because I want the person who prepared the meal to sit down at the table. And really, they did all of the work. We shouldn't be eating until the cook does sit down. And the cook should pick up their fork and eat first. Hmm. So like, he really taught this to other people, but just out of gentleness. So if he came to the table and sat down, um, other people would say, oh, go ahead and eat. Your food will get cold. And he would just sit there and not say anything and just wait for the person to come and sit at the table. And so people learned from him, oh, well, go ahead, why, why, aren't you, why aren't you eating? Your food's going to get cold, why are you waiting? And he would say, because now he's invited to explain it, I'm waiting for the person, who, like for your mom to come and sit or your dad to come and sit. They prepared the food. But he didn't say it in such a way as to shame people. He said it always in ways to educate people. Mm-hmm. So he was never looking for control over others unless he knew that he had to assert control. But that was really weighed in his mind because if I assert control and I take it and then I leave, do I leave a disruption here? Mm -hmm. I freaking loved how we get downloaded with the messages And then we share the messages like that with somebody because that's not a message or pardon me. Yeah, that's not a message that we can explain that I saw all of that without understanding all of that. You and I have to use all of the gifts combined to be able to give somebody that kind of message with that level of detail and accuracy. So then after that, I get to see horses. And the horses came in, and there were, there were several horses, and they had different meanings. The first horse that came in said, well, he realized that, with me, that he had an opportunity to learn many lessons, because I'm different than all the other animals. And he learned that if he got more horses, that this could be an income. And he liked that, because he liked... He liked the personality of the horses, but he knew that they were going to have to create an income for him because if he got more horses just for the fun of it, it was going to cost him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Not just to buy them, but to upkeep them. Yep. So he gets one horse and he goes, yeah, there's going to have to be many horses in order for this to be lucrative. So he does. And what he does with that is phenomenal. He chooses to buy horses for people in his family, and he makes them co-owners of the business. So he says to his wife, I am buying you a horse, but this is an income horse. And she just, she's ecstatic because she wants a horse. And he says, but you're going to have to pick a female because I have a male. So get a horse, get, get whoever you want in your horse, but we're going to breed them. And then when we have ponies, they're going to go to our children or to you in the business, or to me in the business, but 
each horse is going to represent a certain percentage of the business because we're going to breed. So we need male and female horses, or we're going to get a male and have a bunch of females. However, we're going to do it. We're going to do it so that we keep a certain amount and the other horses are going to be sold. And that, as I said, this will be an actual business, but we'll have what we want for our family. Just brilliant. And then he has each of the children and his wife run that business. Though he puts the money up front for it, here's the deal. He ends up being repaid by his children and his wife for his original investment. Cool. And he teaches them that he accepts the money so that they learn how to run a business. Mm -hmm. Then he takes that money from the horses there's another message there in a second, but I just want to sort of finish that story. And he decides when he sees what happens with a neighboring farm. So let me go into that story. So he has there's a neighboring farm that has tons of pigs. And he looks at that and he goes, okay, these people are old and they're going to end up selling those pigs. So I'm going to approach that farmer and tell him that I'd like to buy all of those pigs. So he does. And they say, okay, but we want them because they're an income for us. And we have, we've hired people. And while we are old and retired, we're still running a, fig, a pig farm. <laughs> Almost said a fig farm. <laughs> and, um, but he says to them, but if you could, in an estate sale, could you say that I'm buying them or that I get first dibs somehow? Because I will give you full market value for your pigs. I'm not looking to cheat you or your family. I will give your children and whoever gets the estate, I will pay for these pigs, but I want them. And so they agree. So he gets this written into this estate. So I get to see the estate's um, papers mm -hmm. to understand what's going on so I can explain this. And when these people die, he actually buys out all the pigs from an estate sale. And he goes, Karen, that is so cool. He goes, I did that. And I said, you took all of those pigs and you took all of the workers. Mm. You employed them. And he went, I did. And I said, it's part of the reason why you bought all the pigs. Because you knew all those people were going to lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. And they're all the people in your community. And you went, not on my watch. Very cool. So he buys the pigs and he and of course all these workers are nervous about losing all of their jobs and he approaches all of them and says no i'm 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 keeping all of you will you come to my farm and they all know him it's all in this community and they they go with the purchase of the pigs so he now has all of the proper staff and then he says to his wife and his children okay, we now have two, like a couple of businesses. Now, truth be told, he's got way more businesses than this. As, as you guys are probably all listening to this, you're figuring out this is a businessman. He's not, I'm not going to say, no, I want to word this right. He's a successful farmer. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted to be careful of my words because I didn't want to be disrespectful to any farmer. So he really truly sees farming as if you treat your staff beautifully, they stay. Well, you could just say he's a businessman. Yes. He's business savvy. 
Oh, Whether yeah. Whether you're on a farm or in a corporate firm, like if you're doing what Peter's doing, you are a success. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he like he does this and he teaches he teaches his wife who all on her own becomes a completely independent financially successful businesswoman. And then he teaches each of his children to do exactly the same thing. And I'm not saying that they all choose farming to be successful, but they do choose business and go their own ways to be successful by all of the things that he's learned. Mm -hmm. And so I said to him, where did you learn all of this? He goes, you, you ask that. You ask the spirit world that. You'll get your answer. And so I asked the spirit guys, I said, where did he learn all of this? Is this his dad or his mother or both? Like, is this something where he grew up and, and learned all of these? And the guides went, well, that's part of the answer. Yes. But the coli is part of the answer. Like this. And I said, oh, the coli. And yes, watch what he does with the coli. So I get to see where one of his biggest passions, Kelly, is to read. So he literally spends all of his spare time with the Coley reading business, psychology, human behavior, farming, uh, mechanics, so he can fix the equipment on the farm. And then the Coley kind of shows me like all of these diplomas and says, look what we earned <laughs> like this. And he and I said that to him. I said, the Coley's saying that the two of you got several degrees out of books, but not through actually going to a college or a university to get it. You actually get it together in your home by just reading and then going out and actually applying your knowledge. So you are very much about, I'll just read a book and I'm just going to go fix that. Or this broke, I got to go learn how to fix it. And I, and I thought, well, I wonder why he didn't use YouTube. Oh, and then I look at Peter and I go, right, he didn't use to YouTube because he's too old. This is in his past, before YouTube. This is before the internet. So he goes out to the public library to get all his resources. He buys books. And eventually, over time, he accumulates the library. But you see the library kind of like come and go in his house. Mm -hmm. So like he's a frequent flyer at his public library. Mm -hmm. right? which was really cool. And it's really neat because you get to see where his colleague thinks and believes that she's earned the education with him. Because we sat and read it. Sometimes he'd read it out loud or he'd go, holy jeez, I just, would, would you look at this? And he'd take his book and he'd show it to her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or he'd say things to her like, okay, we got to go to the library, let's go. And she'd get into the vehicle, go to the library with him, come home with him. Mm -hmm. And because this is a community where everybody knows everybody, she'd go into the public library way before we heard of service dogs. Mm -hmm. And service dogs were permitted to go into public bu businesses and places. This is a community that would just be like, oh, hi. Hi, Peter. H uh, hi to the dog. By the way, I don't know the dog's name, but the dog would just come in and was totally fine. She would just go get her place, wait for him at the door, and then go out. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing that occurred was I started seeing birds come in. And I said, oh, I said, uh, a little bit confused. I said, I see birds. And I said, it makes some sense because we are very much in a theme of animals. And I said, but I've got birds now. And he goes, oh, yeah, you go. He says, take your time. 
And I said, um, I get a raven. And he goes, mm-hmm. Do you want to explain more, Karen? And I said, I do. And so if I wait for all the information to get downloaded, I feel like I'm a little bit of an encyclopedia. And he goes, mm-hmm, continue. And I said, uh, the ravens taught you to look up. And he goes, and I said, because you would walk and you were assessing the animals all the time. You were assessing the land. You'd look down, you'd look into the trees, you'd look this way. And I said, but the raven would kind of like bring your head and it would have to go up. And it would remind you to look at the clouds. And he goes, yep. And I said, and the clouds then would tell you what? And he goes, exactly. I didn't know. And I said, oh, wait a minute, here comes the collie. <laughs> I said, you went to the library. <laughs> he goes, yes. He goes, I had to go to the library to get books and to study clouds so that I could look at the cloud formations and see how they were moving so that I could go, oh, hold up, there's a storm coming in. Oh, hold up, this is the kind of winter we're going to get. And he goes, and I don't give a rat's ass if people think that's stuff you know, mm -hmm. that isn't proven or whatever. He goes, I don't care. He goes, I learned from those birds and those clouds exactly what I needed to do. So I would look up and go, okay, we got to bring the pigs in. Okay, you know, get the horses, go out, go out and get the other horses. They've gone for a ride. Somebody's got to go out and get my wife and kids. They're out in the bush. So he, he used the ravens to remind himself to not stay focused here in life, but to look up. But he goes, but I took that to mean the bigger picture of things too. And not just to see what's just in front of me, but like, how do I plan for what's coming for the winter? Mm -hmm. And he goes, so any farmer is going to tell you that you've got to be seasons ahead. Mm -hmm. You've got to buy your seeds for a year in advance. You've got to know what crops and what fields are moving five years in advance, or there's not going to be anything growing in that field. Mm -hmm. You can't deplete the soil, and you can't over-breed um, um, a certain horse, that you've got to give horses time off. They can't have one pregnancy after another. He says, and I had to use certain pigs and, and for certain things, and then so you had to use and move your, your livestock around. And he says, so the raven reminded me of all of that if I was getting bogged down with one problem and I was just fixing a machine, for instance. And I would be pulled right out because I would hear the sound and I would go, oh, oh, got to check the clouds, got to look up. Like this. And he goes, that's right. He goes, any other birds there, Karen? And so like he's, he's prodding it along mm -hmm. now. He's having so much fun. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope there's more birds because I want to learn more things, but I don't know what's going to come. And then I see blue jays. And I said, oh, I said, I've got some blue jays. And he goes, okay. He goes, tell me what you get about the blue jays then. And when it's downloaded, what I see he gets from the blue jays, Kelly, is just pure joy. And, and the way that I know that versus waiting for downloading of information is just it's just a pure feeling. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else with it other than that it's just to remind yourself what brings me joy. And am I present enough to feel it here? So if I'm on my machine and I'm fixing something and I see the blue jay or I hear the blue jay and he goes, then I have to go, oh, right. I have to remember how much I love fixing machines it takes me away of thinking just about the pigs. 
or I'm thinking what I'm supposed to do if I'm breeding another horse or I have another business decision to make or am I looking at purchasing something from another farm? He goes, I have to just sit there and go, God, yeah, life is so good. And he goes, and I got to remember in my joy, what do I do to increase joy for my staff? You know, what, what joy have I brought to my children lately? What kind of joy are my wife and I feeling? Or what could I do that could make my wife enjoy her day, her day a little bit more? What could I do to make the pigs a little happier? What could I put in their food? And so he thinks in this way about joy, and not just his own joy, but animal joy, the joy of nature. How do you share joy? How do you create joy? Um, and not that he's codependent, like how do I control other people's joy? So let me fix things. No, like infuse in someone's life. Good word. I love it. Then I go to Robin. Robin says, well, my purpose when I showed up was to tell him, slow down and weigh your options, see more choices. So whenever he thought, well, I have to do this. I have to put the horse down. I have to do something. He would sit there and go, okay, there's a robin, so there must be more choices. I can't see any, so I better call somebody because I can't figure any out. I love this. I feel like people will have a little robin figurine sitting on their desk from this day forward. Oh, I like that. What are the other choices? Yeah, and what I liked about what he did with that was that he recognized that I'm out of options, but that doesn't mean that I'm out of options. It means my wife will have more options. It means my kids might have some, no matter how old they were. It means my staff has options because they will see things differently than me. Mm -hmm. They have different um, expertise than I do. And that's something that I think was absolutely beautiful about what he learned from the, the Robin was that just because he was in his position here, he didn't think he was the only one as the boss, that he had all the expertise. He thought everybody had expertise. No good boss thinks that. Go on, Kelly. No good boss thinks they're the only one with the expertise. A good boss knows who has the expertise that they need to draw from and holds them up at the right time. Thank you. I, I, I knew that if I just paused that you would fill that in better than I ever could. I don't think that's true. Well, I like the way that you say it. We'll go with that. Thanks. But I'm being a good boss right now by saying that's <laughs> okay. not true. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then I had this bald eagle swoop in. And the bald eagle's position or message for him was, don't be stubborn. Now, it didn't sound to me like he was a stubborn person. But he said that that's because I watched his growth over a lifetime. Cool. And I thought that was really cool too, was that here he is, like I get one message, you know, we'll get a message, but we don't really know always how it plays out in that person's life. Yeah. Or like the person will say like, well, that's true about me now, but it certainly wasn't me in my first marriage or it certainly wasn't me at 20. Yeah. And it doesn't make the channeled message wrong. It means that the person is offering more context to the message. Mm -hmm. And I loved that Peter was able to sit there and do that. But you could see, Kelly, that he had learned to do that in life, in all of these different aspects, and that he chose to listen to the animals. He chose to listen to the birds and to nature and to the clouds. He was pulling in everything as much as possible 
so that he could lead in a better position with more knowledge and balance it with what he knew intuitively and what he knew in his mind logically with what he learned in the books and what was in his heart. And I said, you tried your best to be a well-rounded person. And he went, that's correct. But it didn't start life out that way. He said it was going through and building and building all the time and learning that life is more, not less as you age. Cool. <laughs> and this is the reason Peter is a Christmas story in the oh month of gosh, December. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. I said, Peter, this session really got away on you and I. We started this session out um, with consent. And then you simply said to me, hey, you have a big smile on your face because you're seeing stuff. What's going on? I said, but you didn't actually really come back and say you wanted medical intuitive or you oh, wanted... he told you that's where you wanted to go. Yeah. And he stayed as true. As soon as you were done consent. Yes. And then he stayed true to it. He asked, hey, what did you get about that? All the way through his session, which really is control. But the reason I, I, I'm bringing it up today in this podcast is to say that many people do what Peter does, but then at the end of the session will say, how come you didn't do any medium? How come you didn't do medical intuitive? Why didn't you do other things? I thought you were this. I thought you were that. Mm -hmm. And that some people don't understand that when they are directing it all the way through the session by saying, go on, what do they say more of? or what do you get about that, really means that you are directing your session. Mm -hmm. And I just, I point that out because Peter's true to, to who he is and how he treats others. There's tremendous consistency. So I asked him at the very end, I said, how do you feel about the session? Did it meet your needs? And he goes, you know what, Karen? He says, when I first called, he says, I wasn't sure what my needs were. He said, um, I was just feeling really out of sorts. He said, uh, it's late November. And he says, um, I just started noticing for the first time in my life that I feel a little bit of depression in December. And he said, you know, my life was so busy before. I just don't think I ever had time to notice it. And I don't think I really felt it. But he says, I've lost my wife. He says, I've lost some of my children. He says, I no longer have any of these animals that you've channeled today. He says, I continue to look to the birds and to the clouds. And he says, but in my old age, there has been a lot of loss. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, I can't thank you enough because it feels like you brought it all back to me today. He said, I feel young again. Mm. He says, I feel like I'm still in that life and they're still all part of my life because of all of the lessons, because of the love, he says, because it's who I am. And he says, and I'm just remembering today that who I am is my past, but my past is who I am today. Am I wording that right? He says, are you following me? And I said, I think I'm following you beautifully. And I'm thoroughly loving who you are. Thank you for letting me share that with you today. It was absolutely fun. It was peaceful. It was a fill-up session for me. It was so, so beautiful, Kelly, to hear his messages. And I think most of all, it was absolutely beautiful to meet a person that lived like this mm -hmm. and is continuing to live like this. Mm -hmm. And just needed to be reminded of the totality of who he is. Yeah, and we need that from others. So I love that he also reached out to someone when he felt that slipping. 
mm-hmm. and didn't think I should be able to do it all on my own, right? Because yeah. that's that's why we have mental health teams. That's why we have doctors. That's why we have physiotherapists. That's why we have teachers and educators and YouTubers mm-hmm. and all of the people who can mm-hmm. mirror back to us what we forget about ourselves. Yes. That was wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlos. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.